Hello. Hello there. Hi. <coughs> there we go. That was a good start. Oh, dear. Uh, just a second. I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Hello. I'm here. I'm here. I have water. Oh, can you hear me? How's it going? Hello, everyone. Particularly to the podcast people who are listening to this after the fact and have no idea what's going on and why I'm coughing. Um, I have uh, tea, Earl Grey, hot in here. Cannot smell it. Not a clue what this smells like. Uh, which is annoying. I can slightly taste it. Tastes like overcooked Earl Grey. I've stewed it. Ah, that's annoying. Anyway, right. Forget that. Actually, maybe I'll pour a little bit more water in. I might undo the stewing. There. That'll do. Oh. <coughs> yeah, I've got coronavirus. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, I've got... I'm surrounded by positive LFTs, and I did a PCR a couple of days ago. So... Um, it's a pandemic. Uh, and... Oh, anyway, right. Let's let's go. Let's let's get my miniaturized face up. In fact, so uh, this is part two of the of the page showing through the transport decarbonisation. Oh, can smell slash taste blood, which uh, is possibly a good sign. It's hard to tell. Every now and then, I get like a wasabi shot across my forehead, which um, yeah, it's all a bit weird. The, the, the wasabi shot. I don't know whether that's because my my the capillaries that that are feeding the the my olfactory nerves in there are getting the overload because they're coming back and so they're just going. Oh my goodness, smell! Ah, uh, hard to tell. But anyway, yeah. So this this episode uh, comes to you with uh, the guest. That guest being coronavirus. Um, because yeah, I uh, I got there. I look. Oh, where's my Wacom? My Wacom is no good this episode. Other than me going, um, uh, doing this, pressing Control P, and then going, look, it's uh, it's yeah, it's the text I got saying, I've got it. So there's my PCR confirmation. Lovely. Oh, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, uh, what do I mean? I cannot recommend it enough. I mean, I can't recommend getting jabbed enough because it's bad, folks. So uh, get vaccinated because it's really bad, folks. Get vaccinated. Uh, Roaming Autocrat says, Gareth, if you want to shut down the PC and go lie down, it's absolutely fine. No, damn it. We're going to get through this transport <laughs> decarbonisation plan if it's the last thing I do. Um, ah, here is the nice. Yeah, I've been using my whiskey collection as a thing to... to What's my guest drinking? My blood, possibly? Uh, yeah. Um. Uh, anyway, thanks to all of you in the chat for your support, uh, both here on Twitter and in in the Discord and so on. It's been uh, much appreciated. So uh, every now and then I'm going to have to press this to mute my coughs. Um, so uh, yeah, no, Josephine. Yeah, the, the the challenge I had, and this is a problem because I was going, I was traveling this weekend. The challenge I had is I had my vaccination on Wednesday. Wednesday I was fine. Thursday, I was kind of. Not I had a bit of that fatigue, um, so I stayed at home, did an LFT Friday morning, came up positive, and I thought that's probably vaccination side effects. Then went to work on Friday, hence this you know this spread continues um, because the uh, yeah I, I 
kind of uh, felt fine on Friday morning. Actually, Friday afternoon only. Uh, the only real effect I had on Friday, weirdly, was um, was uh, was muscle pain. I had a dreadful night's sleep on Friday night because I just felt like I'd been stretched. The challenge with that is that I did the York 10K pretty fast on the previous weekend, which might be where I caught it. Who knows? Um, and. And so I thought, oh, it must be a weird delayed muscle pain from that. So again, I was like, not really thinking. Was out and about over the weekend, sort of mostly outside things. So I wasn't like going in and doing things except on Saturday night when we went to the cinema. So yeah, another thing. All these things I've had to go test and trace. It's disastrous. So then it uh, didn't feel too bad. But again, I was like, oh, it's side effects. Done the LFT. So then Sunday did not feel too great. Did the LFT Sunday night, which went positive. I was like, ah, okay. Um, and then, so Monday morning, so I booked in, immediately went on to the NHS, booked a PCR, that's what that text is as a result of, so yeah, that was, at, at which point I was self-isolating, but it means I've spread around, and that's, that's partly from my, it's my stupidity, but also confu- that bit of confusion, really bad time with the vaccine, um, also the, the vaccine, um, uh, I wouldn't have had the benefit of the second vaccine as well, quite like at the time that I was getting it, particularly if I got it at the 10k, but I don't know, the 10k was all outside, so that risk, but it also it was quite packed at the start, I don't know, that that to me feels like possibly the most likely candidate, but uh, hard to tell. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, the train hopper, this instalment is sponsored by the letter C, and the number 19, yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, no, thanks everyone for your, for your kind words, and uh, at the moment, I'm feeling better, I've got kind of head, a bit, my head's still a bit a bit throbby. Um, I'm drinking, trying to drink as much as I can. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so if you have coronavirus questions as to what it's like, then uh, yeah, ask, ask them throughout. But uh, enough of that. Let's talk about... Oh. <laughs> so um, here we have the uh, our trend line. I've updated... See, the, the wasabi thing just happened. Went up right the way up through. Oh, weird. Has anyone else had the wasabi thing after uh, after it's come back through? Um no, thanks, Josephine. Yeah, I was quite pleased with that. I did 55 the year before, and then 50 this year. Uh, given that I'm super unfit from lockdown, I was not expecting to do 50. But uh, I started I started among the hour to an hour and five people, and I just ended up spending the whole time doing that slightly long thing. You know, you do a slightly long pace to kind of overtake people without getting in their way. But I was spent the whole time doing that, which is the way I'm explaining it. Um, so here we are. Uh, we've got our nice yellow lines, which are explaining things that are happening. That's the best arrow I've drawn on here ever. Um, weird. So we have uh, road vehicles continue to be it's at one hundred percent. You know, road vehicles broadly at one hundred percent. Actually, that's a good point. I, I should um, I just pull up the. Uh, if I pull, oh, no, that's not what I wanted. If I go in here and pull up, yeah, this. We can actually pull up the data set and have a look. So it's interesting to see. I've just brought this up actually. Well, we get getting the old Excel spreadsheet up because I haven't done it. I haven't broken it down. But it's interesting to have a look at. Uh, at road traffic generally cars are bouncing around between 100 uh, between 90 to 80 90 and then 110 percent so they kind of bit of fluctuation but you can see here that the um like commercial vehicles hgvs upwards of you know 125 percent you know 130 percent almost so uh, currently, it's looking like a very much road vehicle-led recovery there. That's the uh, that's the raw data, by the way. If anyone's not seen it, um, so uh, what else have we got? So we've got um, uh, cycling uh, uh, unhappily is kind of continuing its descent, which is not ideal. Uh, the pattern of bus services these these fluctuations like heartbeats is really weird. I don't know exactly know what's going on with bus. 
Um, I'm very confused by bus. Rail sort of continues a steady rise. It's it's between 55, 56 to 58% um, of, of, of previous usage at the moment. It's, it's sort of bouncing around a bit. Um, but anyway, there it is. Oh man, we're already eight minutes in. I've said to myself I wouldn't do much at the start so we could get on with things. And in fact, I had a news piece in which I've subsequently cut back out again. Um, uh, Ellie, you can get the data set and it updates its, uh, its open data. So it updates. It's on the gov.uk website. I think there's an open data feed that, that automatically updates. Uh, or maybe there isn't and you have to go in and manually grab it. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, you can you can do it. It's on the, in fact, I'll copy the link there. I do it right. Now. I can. I have the technology. There you go. There's the link. Um, oh, so are people asking how I caught it. I don't exactly know how I caught it, but uh, you know, I I have been out and about. I don't do lots of high risk things involving huge crowds indoors. I haven't been at the pub, uh, even when we've been at the cinema, which we have done a couple of times the last two weeks. Um, you know, it's not a cramped space. It's kind of a yeah. But um, but the cinema, it's a long time you're in the same space, so that's one risk. Um, uh, with the granularity of the data, is it daily? In which case, weekend versus weekday may impact relative percent values. Yes, James, you, you're absolutely right. I think you're right in that this fluctuation is is that is that conflict of the fact. This is absolute. So this is this is a comparison. This is a sorry a comparison with uh, I don't know what that is with pre-COVID. I don't know why I needed to write that down. But the point is that it's it's as a percentage of. So you'd expect to see if all of this was. Um, I'd expect to see a sort of a steady, a steady rise, in comparison. Probably not that steep to be honest. But you'd expect to see a generally steady rise because people travel more year on year. Um, so you'd expect to see a slight increase in that. Ideally, then a slight decrease in road. But um, obviously, we haven't. You know, it's not normal times, so so we're seeing this sort of chaos. And yeah, you're right. It's the it's the fact that it's comparing date on date, which doesn't quite match up. So some of those are weekend, some of those are weekday uh, uh, offset. So so yeah, sorry, that was uh, that was Jer was that uh, that was James P uh, pointing that out. Thanks, James P. It's a very good point. Cinema's safe because hopefully no one's talking. Uh, yeah, but people are breathing in the same room, so that's one possibility. Uh, you know, the York Tank K is another. Um, yeah, I've, uh, yeah, I've not been like I've not been anywhere that's not well ventilated. You know, work is pretty empty. I have been to work, but work is pretty empty. Um, although it is again all day, but I haven't sat in close proximity. We're all socially distanced. Uh, I mean, the aircon will be dreadful because it's a it's a two thousand and eight or two thousand six development, so absolute bottom dollar, cheapest junk. So it'll be the aircon might as well. It's it's probably worse. Everything's getting collected and then pumped at us individually. So anyway, but. It is what it is. Sorry, I know you're not all here to hear about coronavirus. Some of you have had it a lot worse than me or had friends or family who've suffered a lot worse than me. So I shall stop harping on about it. Sorry. But uh, yeah, equally, if you do have any questions, uh, lab rat here can answer them. Right. The news. Let's do the news. So, um, yes, the, just one news item, really, which is that we're um, we're nearly screwed. Everything's getting worse year on year. Uh, the IPCC ha have uh, published the first of three parts of their sixth assessment report. Uh, I saw lots of people reporting that this is their final report uh, as part of you know, their sixth final report. It's not. There's other bits to report yet. This is just the bit saying, 
look at the science is right, uh, quit your jibber-jabber. Um, so, yeah, basically, it does what it says on the tin. Um, this is the... This is the Working Group One. They talk about the fact that the the fact that it's wide climate change is widespread, rapid, and intensifying. Uh, many of the changes observed in the climate are unprecedented in thousands, if not hundreds, of thousands of years. Um, and indeed, here's Antonio Gutierrez uh, saying uh, global heating is affecting every region on Earth, with many of the changes becoming irreversible. Um, this is kind of annoying that it kind of got picked up a bit by newspapers and and the like, going. Uh, we're past the point of no return. Uh, nothing can be done. It was a bit doom and gloom, and so th- there's a reason why I put we're nearly screwed uh, up as the as the headline for this. Because if we make the changes, we aren't ne- we we can survive. Uh, meanwhile, here's um, here's everyone's favourite person who isn't Trump, uh, Joe Biden, walking corpse uh, himself. Uh, here he is saying uh, we can't wait to tackle the climate crisis. The signs are unmistakable. The science is undeniable, and the cost of inaction keeps mounting. And then that was on the uh, that was on the ninth of August, and then on the uh, on the eleventh of August, uh, the White House put out a statement by uh, uh, Jake Sullivan, the uh, the NSA, uh, yeah, so the National Security Advisor, sorry, um, uh, making the statement uh, of the White House urging OPEC, uh, OPEC plus, sorry, to pump more oil um, monthly, uh, more barrels. Uh, fantastic so uh yeah um oh also yeah some, some people pointing out that sicily just broke the uh, european temperature record has that actually been confirmed finally yet so yeah so here we go we're, we're here's here's the president of the united states i suppose technically uh pumping out more of the bernie stuff that we should be keeping in the ground is is not inaction so um when he, but anyway basically we if we have the president of the u.s coming up with nonsense like this and actions like this, then we really are screwed. So, um, yeah, not ideal. Uh, not ideal. And, yeah, basically, yeah, it's interesting. The train hopper is saying um, that uh, uh, their BF works in a uh, insurance company. They pretty much assume climate engineering is an inevitability at this point, given how slowly we're acting and that uh, the U.S. government is run by climate deniers. Yeah, the trouble is, so many people are relying on this FM stuff. The idea that this, you know, the idea that there's going to be magical technology in the future, the 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 Bill Muppet, the Bill Gates option, which is, uh, don't do stuff now, keep everything basically as it is, and hope for magical future technologies to solve all our problems. That's currently the general approach assumed by the G7 uh, governments, uh, including ours. And as we've already seen in the first half of the report, there's quite a bit of that. Um, in in the traction decarbonisation network strategy, which is what we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode, without too many more distractions. We've got we've already been nattering for fifteen minutes, and I've not even got started yet. So I think without further ado, and so that I can have a coughing fit, um, I should welcome everyone to tonight's rail natter. <laughs> from my microphone fades away um yes we're back to our little um back to our little did you hear that click pop at the start by any chance there ella it was uh, it was really good wasn't it i needed to click the click the mic off desperately because i had a, had a cough coming is that what you're referring to anyway uh ever so professional yeah hey ella are you baiting for um for bingo bingo 
card uh, sign off. That's no, that's not, that's naughty. Oh, anyway, um, yeah, last time, last time out, episode seventy two, uh, we were doing the first half of this and we didn't finish it. And I, actually, the second half is um, uh, is. Uh, the second half is uh, is potentially more of meat on the bones, so that's probably what we're going to spend more time on. So, without further ado, let's let's do it. Uh, let me go into the old uh, PDF, and here we go. Let us do it. So, if you remember previously, we'd we'd gone through various bits. Of, uh, to be, let's not even recap. We've gone through some stuff, uh, and we've now reached. In fact, can I? Uh, no, let's let's not risk it. We've now reached. Um, Section 2B. So this is the plan in detail. We kind of went through 2A a bit, but now we're on to multimodal decarbonization and key enablers. So this should be interesting. This is some more meat on the bones. So um, I'll tell you what I'm going to do is I'm just going to switch. I'm going to capture cursor so you can see. There you are. You can see my mouse. That should help things. I'm also going to make my miniaturized face appear in the corner. Hello, everyone. Um, did you? I, I, yeah, anyway. <clears throat> oh, crikey. I'm sorry about the click pot every time I click this. Tell me how bad it is, um, uh, the click pot, if I do this. Hopefully it's not too bad. I'm really sorry, audio listeners. It's just not what you need, is it? I'm not sure whether the click pop or me coughing is worse. Um Anyway, right. So, yeah, stop going on about the uh, stop going on as bingo, everyone, and uh, and uh, focus. So, yeah, leave the chat so that people can ask questions. Right. So, anyway, waffle, waffle. Uh, Ella gets to because Ella she's she's admin, so she has privileges. But um, anyway, right. I'll stop waffling. Delivering a zero emission freight and logistics sector. So we kind of heard some loose words about. Oh yeah, we'd have a, had aviation and shipping kind of generically, hadn't we? So uh, interestingly, I quoted these emissions in the last episode, didn't I? Nineteen point five. Uh, million tons of CO2 equivalent in, in 2019, so I quoted that 16% of the emissions are from HGVs so let's see what their plan is uh, is it from wiring uh, HGVs <laughs> there's, a, there's a nice train here with some containers on it, which is which is good so uh, they've got some headlines of what's happening well, let's, let's go ahead and have a look, so that's the pretty graphic uh, freight and logistics encompasses everything uh, involved in the movement of goods from the largest trucks on our road to local deliveries, as well as uh, freight carried by rail, water. Da, 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 da. Removing these emissions requires the development and deployment of clean technologies. Oh, they've opened with the technologies thing. As well as the use of more sustainable forms of transport. Well, they put that in second. You'll notice that. Uh, many of which are already available, including cargo bikes and rail. Yes. Uh, okay, well, I'm not going to read too much into their sentence structure. With these things, you always have to because they agonize over... Oh, we're, we don't want to overly uh, inf say one thing over the other. Uh, yeah, people are noticing there's no OLE above the train. Yeah, no, it's magic. It's a magic train. It's got magic technology in it that somehow works for freight um, that isn't overhead electrification because, folks, there is no alternative for freight other than overhead electrification of rail. Um, anyway, so domestic freight transport by mode. Uh, 25 tonnes by ship, 17 by rail. Uh, this is billion ton kilometers, by the way, and 154 billion ton kilometers by road. This is where you can see the the, the massive difference in in volume um, shifted here. What was that? 2019. Yeah. Okay. So so okay. I remember. I'm sorry, this is all coming back to me. So they had a series of commitments here. Um, commitment: We are consulting on phase out dates for the sale of all non uh, all new non-zero emissions HGVs. Okay, fine. Um, they're looking at broadly looking at 2030 for for kind of vans uh 2035 oh wait no 
uh, required to have significant zero emissions capability and 100% zero emissions at the tailpipe from 2035. Sorry, so this is misleading. 2035 is the year for that. Um, 2035 up to and including 26... No, so it's 2035 for vans, 2040 for HGVs. This is a bit of, of confusing waffle, but it's um, 2040 by the look of it. So there's, there's I mean, the electric HGVs batteries can work for short skips uh, because they are kind of already. I In fact, DPD, fair play, I'm going to name drop DPD, uh, not perfect on some things. But they uh, they do in York. They've got a fleet of electric vans that go around. For me, that that's kind of the obvious future. I mean, EVs, as I always say, they're not they're not the the whole solution, but they're certainly part of it. You know, you know, you need vans to go around. Cargo bikes can do a lot and should be encouraged to do a lot more. But vans for heavy things, you know, like white goods and stuff, is is, is a no brainer. So um, yeah, uh, I've seen those going around. They're, that that you know, that works, but it requires the whole infrastructure to alter the whole supply chain the whole logistics supply chain to alter i've been reading as, as part of this i've been reading the box which is uh which i'd strongly recommend uh a read it's not it's not perfect by mark levinson there there are some issues with with its its uh some of the rail history in there but actually i've, I've gone through there's nothing particularly i fault on it. it's just a few lines he's quite mean about the u.s rail industry i think the u.s rail industry got very upset as a result because they were very slow to much slower even than the uk to pick up on on the value of intermodal freight um good book and it's fantastic for understanding freight logistics um and how that can work you've got to understand how it developed and 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 why it's the shape it is and that's how in order to unpick it and and work out how it works for the future so i've been reading that good book strongly recommend um on top of that also is uh two things that i've just have nearly fallen off my desk there number one is uh is locomotives and coaching stock 2015 which is useful as a tool for me when i'm uh Actually, it's got data in there that you don't have on Wikipedia, like mass vehicle masses and stuff, which is useful for my day job. Um, and also, uh, 1930, I think exactly 1930, uh, one to one, one inch to one mile map of Exmoor. There you are. So uh, just uh, just give you that there, brief brief segue, right? Uh, I'm allowed segues. I have a feverish brain slash ADHD. So, um, okay, fine. Next commit. So that was the first commitment is they're consulting on the phase out date. So they're not even committing to those ones. Demonstrate zero emission HGV technology on UK roads this year. Uh, okay. Designing electric road system and hydrogen. So this is the commitment to get the to get that. So that's 2021. And they're going to demonstrate it on this year. So that the, the overheads on, on, on near Scunthorpe on the uh, previous episode are going up this year at some point. That's interesting. That that's an interesting commitment. That's a thing we can hold them against. And then there's, they're doing a they're doing a hydrogen fuel cell one, which I'm frankly is uh, is nonsense. The hydrogen. I'll be interested to see it work, but I I don't expect that to appear this year because it's just um, it's just vaporware. Um, yeah. So the da da da. So they're saying, look, we're doing things as the CCC has told us. The the, the UK's Climate Change Committee, not to be confused with the IPCC. This is the the, the triple C. The CCC. Um, not a manufacturer of concrete sleepers. Uh, they turned into costain and are now something else. Uh, no, no, the, the climate change committee. Uh, they are. They give advice. Even they, are, they're usually pretty tame because they're kind of government adjacent. But they've been pretty scathing recently, and so the government is trying to respond to that. Next commitment: We'll stimulate demand for zero emission trucks through financial and non-financial incentives. Okay, fine. There's some a little bit of cash. 
uh, other policy experts can probably pick into the value of those. I'm not an expert on, you know, far from being an expert on millions of things, but particularly, yeah, incentivization, incentivizing behaviors through through financial and non-financial incentives that that requires other expertise to be honest so fine that sounds sensible enough but does it actually just put is it a bit like cycle to work scheme which is it basically makes people like me have more you know more tax breaks i don't need any tax breaks like i'm fine people at my salary level and above are fine and i don't have a huge but i'm fine (laughs) people who don't go anywhere who don't get who will never see a, a cycle to work scheme are the ones who need to be supported to have bicycles uh i don't need cycle to work scheme cancel it it's stupid uh, that's my instinct on it, on incentivization there. I don't think cycle to work scheme has ever made someone not get a bike who would get, you know, I never, you know, the option of it has not made someone get a bike where they otherwise wouldn't have just got a bike anyway. I'd, I'd, I'd be, it'd take a lot to convince me otherwise. We'll support efficiency improvements and emission reductions in the existing fleet. Okay, fine. Yep. Sounds sensible enough. There's some, some buses and coaches with some solar panels on the top. Uh, uh, what what to what end? That'll generate enough to charge the battery over like during the day. If you drive it during the night, probably not. I don't know. I mean, if it reduce if it means that you can run the aircon off the off the solar panel, that's maybe not a bad idea. But uh, again, like it's like people say, put solar panels on trains. No, do you have any idea how little energy you get off solar panels and how much energy you need to run a train? Oh, I'm still big face. Uh thanks for shouting at me, everyone. Yeah, I'm small face. There we are. Sorry. How much have I been wiggling around? Uh, there we go. Yeah, everyone shouted at me. There, thanks. Shouting, 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 shouting. Lots of shouting. Good. Uh, good. Well, the people in the audio only are doing fine. Uh, they don't know what the fuss is about. Sorry, yeah, so these two, these pages. How much have you missed? Uh, not much. I can't remember. Book, supply chains, uh, stuff, stimulating stuff, picture of things with, with solar panels on them. There we are. Oh, um, people. Oh, feel free to disagree with me if you think. Yes, cycle to work scheme. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deutsche Bahn apparently uses ten trillion watts a year in traction power. Yeah, one train uh, is is like the amount of energy that a, an, that a train consumes in hotel power alone. So not even traction power in hotel power alone is like a megawatt. Trains take a lot of energy, like a huge amount of energy. <laughs> uh, you're not getting a megawatt. Uh, out, you're not getting a megawatt out of um, anyway, right? So there we are. Uh, is everyone uh, is there, uh, is everyone happy? Are we caught up with uh, what's on screen? If I have I showed that sufficiently, people can rewind if they need to. Uh, you're there, it's fine. So uh, thank yeah, do always shout at me when I screw up. But it's been a while since I've done one of these, and and I just had another wasabi head situation. Anyone listening joining now uh, late is is going to be like, what the hell is he on about with his wasabi head? Oh, it's a bad one actually. Ugh. It's like it's like um does anyone does anyone use the the nice nose sniffy things? It's a bit like that, except that I you know I can't actually can't smell anything. I can't smell this this. Anyway, look, Tesco's gets an appearance here. Nice um, modal shift to rails. So this is a thing saying modal shift is good. So this is a key commitment. This is this is the most important commitment. It should have been the one right at the start, which is we will support and encourage modal shift of freight from road to more sustainable alternatives such as rail, cargo bike, and inland waterways. Investing in the capacity and capability of the rail network for freight, including on projects like the upgrade to key freight corridor between Southampton and the Midlands. HS2 will release a significant amount of spare capacity in the southern part of the West Coast mainline. Well, uh, and the rest, indicative that they're very slow on the uptake of, of getting what HS2 is about. There we are. 
some of which could create opportunities for freight operators to grow and develop. It's the most non-committal. Some of which could. No, no, what your government, say it will. <laughs> say it will create. We will use that to... Oh, my God. It's just indicative of the, 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 the rot runs deep, my friends. The rot runs deep. It, they're, they're capable of saying H2 will release a significant amount of spare capacity, some of which could create opportunities. No, 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 just, just for goodness sake, commit to what you're going to do. Say it will. We will ensure that. The railway is yours, government. Like, Stop kidding us that it belongs to anyone else. It is ours. If, if it is ours, then we should be saying what it is, is to be done with. And government is just our representatives. So frustrating. The mode shift revenue support and waterborne freight grant schemes will continue to incentivize modal shift and help to remove around a million, uh, 100,000 less than that, HGV loads off the road each year. Okay. Introducing a rail freight growth target to encourage the continued growth of the sector. That is good. That, that, that is a good, good, do that. It needs to be it needs to be assertive and it needs to have teeth though as a as a as a target. The modal shift of freight from road. I notice it's not here though. Yeah, when are you going to introduce that target? Why not put it here? Why not put five percent a year? No. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not only lead to reduction in GHG levels, but also reduce congestion, and noise pollution. Further details about this commitment can be found in the section on decarbonising railways. Last mile package of measures support more sustainable freight alternatives in urban areas. That's good. We'll 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 get to that short, sh shortly. I'm sure. Um, so here's Tesco with their. Um, their plan it's saying how many tons of co2 they're saving a year um they're committed to electrifying their distribution fleet encouraging customers to make the shift to electric yeah blah, blah, fine uh we'll take forward measures to transform last mile deliveries so this is working with industry academia other stakeholders to understand how innovation in the category l sector can benefit the uk delivery market uh, okay everyone what's category l is that vans help me uh Gareth Williams is asking, while you, while you all help me with that, Gareth Williams is asking what inland waterways are left that are suitable for cargo movements. An impressively large number, actually. Um, there's quite a lot of fairly well-connected inland waterways still functioning in the UK, believe it or not. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Richard Smith is saying, cycle to work being based around buying practical urban bikes uh, would be a much better use of funds than, than subsidising a carbon fibre 2.5k bike with no rack or frame lock. Yeah, I can relate. I use cycle to work to buy my beautiful Eastway road bike that I will never use to commute to work. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. It's just a tax break um, for for people who are kind of reasonably well off. Uh, Mr. Tim Dunn, hello. Um, <laughs> if anyone's ever wondered what it's like to be in the pub with Gareth, this edition of Rail Natural, in which he gives an interruptible stream of slurred consciousness, is a good approximation. Can confirm. Yeah, absolutely. This is this is pretty much all natters. Um, but people seem to follow. It's, it's uh, yeah. Anyway, right. We'll research the legal and practical issues around... I've also broken into a, a fever sweat. Well, let's not worry about that. Uh, we'll research the legal and practical issues around compulsory consolidation centre. Ooh! Nicole, where's... where's bad, Nicole Badstuber when you need her? Yes, they're doing it. Look, look. They're, they're doing the thing. Uh, the legal and practical issues around compulsory consolidation centres setting the groundwork for future pilots. Pilots will seek to ensure that the majority of urban deliveries are consolidated and transferred to zero emission vehicles for the last mile. <laughs> yes, this is a very, very good thing. Um, yes. <laughs> good. Why is this not a, a big, giant thing saying, looky, looky, look, we're doing this. This is really good. 
I'm very interested to see more about this. And I'd love to speak to the person in the DFT. If anyone, in the D- I know lots of people in the DFT actually, I know I mean about the DFT a lot, but lots of DFT people actually listen to this, weirdly. Um, I mean, hello to you all. You're doing great work. You're fighting a tremendous uphill struggle. Um, I would love to speak to whoever is in charge of that project because that would be brilliant. Um, that's so important. It's absolutely critical. Um uh, doctor, I believe, uh, please hope, I hope I got that right. Dr. Badstuber is, um, is now in Melbourne doing this in Melbourne. We, we lost her. Um, but she was working on this very thing and I, and I will get her on a rail matter to talk about this, but it's, it's good. It's brilliant. So, so that's, that's, uh, that's one thing that's really good. Uh, they're looking at traffic regulation orders alleged to flame, TROs. Um, so the legal stuff relating to how much local government can enforce things, um, and this is talking about reducing the number of vehicle movements. So new technology and smarter regulation offer significant opportunities for reducing high carbon delivery traffic, including dynamic curb space and delivery management and road and non-road based zero emissions logistics solutions. That's a lot of wiffly waffle. I'm not quite sure what that's saying. The DFT's future transport program is investing in Pathfinder projects in this field. OK, the thing is, this all feels like good, but it all feels very late, very last minute. Um, Parts of some cities are served by as many as 50 waste management and delivery companies with multiple pickups from businesses on the same street, large numbers of delivery vehicles, duplicating trips, voluntary projects in areas such as Mayfair. Okay, yeah, voluntary projects. We'll pilot allowing some local authorities to franchise certain delivery and waste management services. That's okay, yeah, yeah. This will help them to better coordinate the number of deliveries and waste collections in certain areas, enabling competition and choice while reducing the number of operators and vehicle moves. I mean, obviously my view is municipalized a lot. But um, they, we have this wonderful thing called Royal Mail. Do you remember that? The Royal Mail, anyone? No? Yes? And um, so my view is that we uh, we bin off everyone but Royal Mail and get Royal Mail to do it all. And um, and it, even if, you know, even if that means it's mildly less efficient than having just one, uh, you know, and also if it means that you don't guarantee one-day deliveries for everyone, um, that would mean that you'd get rid of so many vehicles out the centre of the city. Uh, there are people talking about speeds of Badgerus in Sydney, not Melbourne. Oh damn, Sakura, thanks. She was she was she was in Melbourne. Um anyway, good. Uh yeah, she's in Oz. Why did I think I was I might have just completely missed the plot, but maybe she's moved over to Sydney within if that was like quite a while ago now, so um uh Josephine is saying that her kitten is now trying to catch my mouse on the TV screen. Right, well, uh it's it's going over here for now. Uh, and then over here. Ha um i'm playing with a kitten remotely which somehow pleases me uh royal mail was indeed sold off for a nickel yes um and then sold off again for a lot more yeah uh yeah some of us remember royal mail yeah they occasionally deliver things to us you know um yeah anyway so uh work across government to consider more i'm I'm dwelling on this one because it's really important we'll work across government to consider more opportunities for the joint collection of household and non-household municipal waste uh, I mean, it seems weird that that's not done by one organisation anyway, but there we are. Uh, okay, fine. Yeah, that sounds very sensible. Measures to improve air quality and accelerate transition to low emissions economy are, are supported in, in the 880 million uh, NOx program, NO2 program, uh, nitrogen oxide, I presume, or is that just a fact that they've just coincidentally chosen a weird other name? Uh, this will result in the implementation of clean air zones in a number of local areas, which will help accelerate the turnover to less polluting uh, and... Um, more uh, to less polluting uh, clean air zones in a number of local areas. Why are they not doing that on the basis of um, of 
yeah, on the basis of I've just received a, a picture of the cat uh, of the kitten, by the way, which is unbelievably cute. There we are. That's my. That's that'll be going on the. Josephine, if you're on the Discord, I'm sure people would love to see that. Um, it's always worth me checking my phone in the middle of a rail natter, right? Anyway, so this is the thing is with clean air zones is like do them on the basis of of, of NOx, yes, but also, I mean, use use clean air zones to encourage um, modal shift. Uh, there's there's talking about e-cargo bikes, yeah. Scope scope for greater use of AI and data tools in the freight sector, improving efficiency, which cuts emissions. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, AI is always a bit of an FM red flag, but I'm sure there is more. If if the consolidation of 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 kind of goods data, but that would require the that information to be uh, available on a on a platform that lots of people could access, because a lot of people would be like, no, I'm not. A lot of the, the you know that delivery stuff is super top secret, uh, and so. Um, there'll be a lot of protectionism over. Well, you're not you're not going to know how many packages we deliver because all of a sudden the the whole racket will fall apart when when Amazon show that the only reason they're they're delivering things so quickly is because they have just thrown below minimum wage workers at the problem. It's the same thing. I think. Uh, well, there's your problem podcast to talk about this. It's the tech bro approach to solving problems, which is just you throw more at it, throw more. That works in a computer. You just wait for the the next generation of computers to come out when they're more powerful. Um, in the case of reality, it doesn't work like that. Um, oh, anyway, right. So uh, I'm, I'm waffling horribly. Tim, I, this is a funny one for you. I'm glad you've joined, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be particularly waffly with it. If you're just checking in to see if I collapse midstream for entertainment, that might happen. It's true. Uh, here is a render from... Well, this, this, that's not a real... Is it real? Just, 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 uh, it's pixelated in a different way. That, to me, looks re like, like a renderite. Uh, so there is a, a, a potentially non-real truck making its way past a... Uh, a kind of also weirdly non-real looking version of Big Ben. Um, there's anyway. Um, decarbonizing transport HGV GHG projections versus the baseline. It's a very optimistic and rapid decarbonization based on quite a lot of things going the way of fancy technology that hasn't been proven yet. Um, hmm. Part two, plan and detail. Da -da -da. Delivering decarbonization through places. Oh, so is this going to be a bit about spatial planning? Ooh, that's exciting. Uh, because spatial planning, housing planning, commercial planning is super critical to how we deal with this stuff. And that never, that never seems to be acknowledged. Um, uh, David Thompson saying it's real. No, I'm, I'm not so sure. No, um, oh, crikey, it's, the chat's moving so quickly. Oh, also, weird, my, the YouTube's gone weird, and it's suggested that everyone's gone again, and it's dropped down to... It's fake, no scaffolding. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, it's dropped, dropped down... There are a hundred of you watching a minute ago, and it's dropped down... Oh, it's gone back. YouTube, what are you doing? Stop distracting me. Um, keep sending me chats. If you, Yeah, at me in so I can see the questions. Good grief. The chat is happening thick and fast, so I'm struggling to keep up. Um, okay. Well, these are the nice graphics saying local transport infrastructure funding reform, 12 billion quid to support local delivery of transport decarbonization um is that just their bus money again or is that something slightly different well maybe it is something slightly different like like uh, electric vehicle charging points and stuff toolkit of guidance to support local authorities they they probably don't need toolkits although maybe that's nice what they need is funding central government has stripped local authorities of any spare cash so they can't afford to do any of this stuff they can't afford to send staff on training days because they haven't got any because they had to sack them all because their funding got cut Oof, anyway Oh, look, it's Edinburgh Trams. Oh, it's Bristol. Oh, it's, the, it's Bristol. Oh, lovely Bristol. 
Um, anyway, Bristol looking quite colourful. They've really cranked the uh, cranked the contract, the uh, saturation up on that picture, I tell you. Anyway, there's no uniform approach to decarbonisation and each place in the UK has its own unique role to play. Oh, my God. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could cry, couldn't you? Yeah, I know there's no uniform approach. It's because government... The government has... I've, I've already put the quote up from, from the Royal Commission on Environmental Pollution saying that the the government has no plan and the transport you know the department for transport has no plan oh, i should have put that quote up again up again shouldn't i anyway um uh yes tim i shall be uh, i shall be plugging at the end don't worry mr tim dunn's uh lecture which is going out on uh uh which is this weekend actually i think it's this saturday the plug is happening later uh tim is currently revising that 37 pages of Reverend Audrey's, Audrey's handwriting to decipher the lecture. <laughs> yes, everyone um, will plug that later. Tim, Tim, don't worry, you'll be getting a plug at the end. Um, I've lined the slide up, especially. Um, here in, yeah, so there is no... Da, 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 yeah, okay, we've, 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 this is waffle. Strong local leadership. Yeah, strong local leadership is all well and good, but you've stripped the fun government. You have stripped funding from local authorities, so what do you expect them to do? Examples of place-based solutions to decarbonising transport across the UK. Okay, let's see what they're talking about then as examples. Government has committed almost 16 million of act quid to um, Greater Manchester for their active travel fund, enabling a further 24 miles of permanent cycling and walking routes, in addition to the 55 miles of routes that will be created by December 21. Um, I'm interested to see how they're doing on that number, but anyway, okay, that's good. Uh, Aberdeen has developed a cluster of hydrogen activity with two publicly accessible hydrogen refueling stations and one of the largest and most varied fleets of hydrogen vehicles in Europe. Okay, interesting. The Orkney Islands are home to a series of innovative hydrogen vessel projects and uh, an internationally recognised centre of excellence for renewable energy. Yeah, it's like Aberdeen desperately needs to reinvent itself uh, because its economy is currently... Um, it's like a rocket ship shooting downwards. It's like it's like my that first episode of Kerbal Space Programme that I did. Uh, when I streamed it and I ended up shooting Valentina directly at full speed uh, into the ground and atomizing her. Uh, yeah, that's currently what the, the Aberdeenshire economy is doing. I used to live there. I grew up there. I know how reliant it is on oil and how much trickle-down economics doesn't work. And the whole air, the whole economy is currently collapsing um, and will collapse further if OPEC do what Biden asked them to do. Anyway, green hydrogen also here being produced uh, from curtailed wind in North Antrim. It will be the Northern Ireland, the Northern Irish, the first Northern Irish hydrogen fueling station in Belfast. Hmm. Uh, what else we've got? Tees Valley Combined Authority, um, uh, along with uh, Ginger, first e-scooter, first UK, oh, the UK-based. Oh, I'm waffling so bad. I'm sorry, everyone. Uh, the UK-based e-scooter company Ginger was the first pilot region to test the rental of e-scooters as a zero-emission alternative. To, yeah, they're doing that in York now. Uh, you've seen me go on about uh, tier e-scooters. I know some people think they're a, a waste of time. I don't think they're a waste of time. I think they're a, a, a serious option that we should be providing. We should be, you know, zero-emission. We should be providing lots of options for micromobility. For various reasons, the bike isn't always an option that people can take. Uh, for me, it's because there's no bicycle parking at the at the, the station. Um, and also trains are hopeless for, for, for bicycles uh, if I'm trying to get somewhere other than you know, a bicycle holiday trip where you can kind of book an, an advance and, and it kind of works. If I'm if I'm wanting to get somewhere in London uh, in the morning, then the best the quickest way for me to do it is by e-scooter to the station. Don't have to worry about parking, the, you know, finding somewhere to lock my bike, hop on the train and down I go. Happy days. Um, Transport for Wales is expanding its demand-responsive flexi uh, bus service in northwest Pembrokeshire. That sounds good. We talked about that with the Bus Back Better report, haven't we? So a um, uh, similar example. That. Didcot Garden Town, 
uh, green community designed to encourage people to use sustainable mo to choose sustainable modes of transport. Okay, well, yeah, because currently a lot of the new towns in the UK uh, exemplify the opposite approach. Um, let's see uh, what's going on. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, they're not mentioning. Since the mayor of London launched the world's first ULEZ, uh, it has had a significant impact on reducing the number of older, more polluting vehicles that enter London's central zone. Yeah, well, indeed. Uh, Solent Transport Future. So here's some examples. I don't know, maybe I won't go through the rest of them, but there's Milton Keynes with its EV public charging devices. Coventry's going to be the first all-electric bus town or city. Okay. So here are the commitments. <clears throat> Well, that was a bit of a bad one. Well, you can hear me. I can hear my. I can hear my lungs whistling in the feedback into my earphones. This is horrible. Sorry, everyone, on the uh, audio. We'll support decarbonisation by investing more than twelve billion in local transport systems over the current Parliament. Okay, so five billion. That's the bus and cycle links funding. Okay, five billion more is uh, levelling up. Okay. Uh, and then four billion of that is the city region sustainable transport settlements. Ugh. So that's the thing that cities are having to compete for to get their own public transport system. So that angers me a lot because it's like no 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 no. Why are cities competing for investment that they clearly will get a return on? No no no. Skip that process. Give them the money right now. Just make that funding available immediately. From the absolute right now, as in it can be done right now. Make the funding available. Abolish the bloody treasury. Oh, £20 million of funding is available to local authorities. That's nothing. £20 million is like pennies. That's just a totally irrelevant amount of money, given how much has been chopped from local authority funding. I'm not even going to read that out. Commitment. We will drive decarbonisation transport improvements at a local level by making quantifiable carbon reductions a fundamental part of local transport planning and funding. That sounds good. Um, local transport plans. But again, it comes back to all of this. You've got to look at the political context. You've got to look at the fact that local tra authority funding has been stripped. Um, absolutely stripped. Um, all right, what's happening? Da -da 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 -da, Michael. Da -da -da. Um, so, uh, what else have we got? That's that's fine. Ah, right. This is interesting. I'm interested to see what they say here because some of the little box outs are hints as to wider government intentions. Um, so the subnational transport bodies were created by the Cameron, uh, or actually, were they? They were created by the um, coalition government, and um, because Cameron and the coalition government were all up on devolution, this government hates devolution. They want everything right back to. They want the Thatcher and Blair days of everything totally centralised again. So they hate the strategic tran uh, the, the subnational transport bodies. Uh, I think the subnational transport bodies are really good. The, by far the most proactive we've seen, in my, to my mind, is not Transport for the North. It is, in fact, Midlands Connect. In terms of their strategic planning, they have done a lot of it. They've had it ripped apart by governments wavering on uh, the eastern leg of HS2. But anyway, that's another story. So... Uh, forget all this stuff about local transport plans. I'll believe it when I see it in terms of investment, uh, in, uh, in terms of funding for local authorities. So what are they saying about subnational transport uh, transport bodies? So these are like the Transport for the North, Midlands Connect. Um, is it Peninsula? No, what's the other one? Transport for the... It isn't a strategic national... Uh, why do I keep... My brain is mush. Subnational transport body. Isn't it just a, a passenger transport executive? No, not quite. Passenger transport executives are urban transport authorities. Um 
that are now being kind of replicated by the by the combined authority group so transport for west midlands is kind of taking on that that role no no the subnational transport bodies are larger they take the kind of larger devolved areas um the england's economic heartlands one i don't know which one that is but anyway I'm going to read this out in full. Seven subnational transport bodies cover all of England apart from London and support the government's aims to level up the country. Well, they've written that down. Uh, STBs are by their nature spatially focused and bring together stakeholders in each region representing local government and business. STBs can support the government's decarbonisation objective by joining up local plans across a wider geography to capitalise on economies of scale and ensure coherence across local authority borders. Government tasks each STB with developing a transport strategy for their region, a framework for a place-based approach which helps government identify transport schemes to invest in. As part of this, the STBs are working to turn national priorities into actionable plans for their region. Each STB is developing a strategy to decarbonise the transport system which is rooted in the opportunities and needs of their region. Uh, England's Economic Heartland STB coordinates this work stream Oh, the, what? And help share best practice across STBs to enable sh- long-term sustainable connectivity in all types of communities across England. They're not the best practice one. They're trying to build a blinking highway across the, the area. Don't pay attention to them. Uh, to be fair, Midlands Connect are also doing lots of road stuff, but that's only because their local authority and, and larger regional authority groups all go, still are in the attitude of, we want roads, we want roads, and Midlands Connect is just them, but on a bigger platform. Yeah, Um. okay. Fine. That doesn't really say very much, other than they do still sort of see a role for the STBs, but to me that looks awfully like uh, passing the buck without the funding provision. Because it's all very well them telling people to create more plans. Create more plans, write more documents, but if they're still doing the funding themselves, then they're going to be doing this stupid pick-and-choose charade. Nothing will get done. Uh, you know, just take Leeds as a, as a city and the history of transport investment in Leeds as the perfect example why that approach is hopeless. The these urban region these regions whether they're they're major you know devolved regions or the city regions need to just have their own funding powers uh, to to invest in this stuff themselves otherwise it'll never happen. Working together to decarbonize Coventry. Here's the VLR very light rail thing which I will have a rail matter about. I can't remember where I, I did have some emails back and forth. I might need to search my email inbox to check where I got to on that one. But anyway, uh, we will have an episode to talk about these. This is just talking about Coventry. Let's not, no, whatever. Let's skip on to the next one because I've already been doing this for 50 minutes. Um, next commitment. <clears throat> We're on page 155 of many other pages. We'll publish a local authority toolkit. Oh, this is the toolkit. Okay, fine. Toolkit. Again, it comes back to local authority funding. Fine. Toolkit, whatever. Uh, we will embed, is another commitment, we will embed transport decarbonisation principles in spatial planning and across transport policy making. Okay, I'm going to quickly eye scan through this paragraph and see what I can see. Well, they're talking big. Um, traffic issues have often caused opposition to house building. The legacy developments that, developments that give people few alternatives to driving. I, I love the phrase cowpat developments. So these are things that are just basically taking up a few fields, miles from any useful public transport connection and indeed any other services, which means that people just drive everywhere. And Britain is hopeless for these. Cowpat developments is such a good name for them because they are um, shit. So uh, let's say National Planning Policy Framework. Well, there are lots of problems with the, the updates to the planning framework. In fact, if Tim was still on, he'd be able to rant about those um, in some detail because um, there are some serious problems with the, 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 the latest planning changes. 
but if if there's an element of embedding these then then that's a positive a aspect to them um yeah um if, okay gear change committed to that new active active travel england oh new body i didn't i didn't pick up in gear change oh we haven't done gear change have we that's why um so that's fine National model design code, process of developing local design codes and guides. Okay. Uh, also, if you've whiz tip, top tip, if you're whizzing through these at high speed, just read the first sentences of each paragraph because theoretically the first sentence of each paragraph should basically, rep if, if the paragraph is a report's been structured well, that first paragraph should very naturally just, that first sentence in each paragraph should say what the paragraph is saying. Um, recognize government as a role in helping local planning and highways authorities to better plan for sustainable. Da -da -da. Yeah, that role is paying them. Uh, achievement ambitions will require long-term collective effort. I love that they use the collect term collective. You know, this is where I should have this is where I should have the the Soviet, you know, the Russian Soviet anthem, USSR uh, anthem as a drop, but I don't. Um, achieving these ambitions will because it's it's also it's it's well there's your problems bit. I wouldn't want to steal that off Alice. Uh, achieving these ambitions will require long-term collective effort. I've done that. Public sector must play its part. Uh, from our recent experience of COVID nineteen pandemic as as well as in the commitments in this plan, it's clear that we have the opportunity to change the way we think about movement and to challenge our behaviours. Well, yeah, that's true. It's just a shame that government isn't particularly interested in actually instigating that, other than in nice talk. Oh, look, Chelmsford has appeared. Was someone talking about Chelmsford earlier? Uh, uh, Owen O'Neill is saying, page 157. Uh, However, while many local plans already say the right things, they're not always followed consistently in planning decisions. Uh, yeah. Level of honesty is slipping through the, the proofread. <laughs> yeah, um, indeed. Do you think we need to improve our... Oh, Matt Reed is asking a reasonable question, actually, which is, do I think we need to improve our transport network before putting up the price of owning a car or the other way around? To be honest, I think both have to happen simultaneously. Uh, and in some cases, that will mean pain for people. Um uh, yeah, and we have to, you know, we have to assess that that pain. But frankly, I think we don't have time to wait for the right thing to be done before we start the punitive actions. I don't think, I just don't think that will work. It has to be the case of both going on. Uh, commitment: We'll create at least one zero emission transport city and four industrial super places. Hashtag super places. I don't know what that means. Super places. In areas such as the northeast, the Humber, northwest Scotland, and Wales, that will unite clean industry with transport and power. That sounds nice. That sounds like total made-up Boris waffle, but there we are. Um, zero transport emission city. I mean, yeah, do it, but make make it happen. Say we, we should be at the point where we're saying which city that's going to be and getting on with it. Commitment: We will complete our review of how to best represent decarbonisation measures in transport business case and appraisal. This is very important. Uh, how this feeds back into the Green Book and Treasury appraisal is really important. It, the carbon is part of the current Green Book appraisal process, it's just that it's done uselessly. Um, so, yeah, so that's really important, but they don't actually, uh, they're reviewing the evidence base. It'd be interesting to see when that reports. I d they don't say when they're going to report on that. Oh, no, they do. Uh, interim gui guidance issued in July 2020, yet they did update vehicle mix forecast to be used in appraisal. Um they're looking at uh ah tag so tag is going to be updated so the transport appraisal guidelines um yeah july 21 apparently <clears throat> so uh that's that's already so theoretically that's already happened we're reviewing transport appraisal guideline guidance to reflect the enhanced assessment of car oh no they're still so it's not done 
they're still in the process of doing it. Uh, light rail. Oh, that's weird that they've put a light rail thing in here. Let's read this because, <clears throat> you know, light rail is a rail thing. Light rail, an existing zero emission choice. Light rail schemes can be transformational for highly populated areas, bringing societal, economic and environmental benefits to our cities by helping uh, by connecting communities to jobs, hospitals and leisure activities. There are currently eight electric powered light rail systems in England, encouraging greater use of public transport, further reducing total carbon emissions and tackling congestion. Yeah. Between 2010 and 2018, passenger journeys on, on Greater Manchester Metrolink increased by 128%. At the same period, they increased by 94% on Nottingham Express Transit. Um, uh, da, da, da. Traffic volumes in Nottingham grew by 30% less than the England average. Well, indeed. As we look to build back greener, light rail has potential to be an environmentally sound local transport solution in its own right. West Yorkshire mass transit visions... Uh, uh, the Leeds tram stuff. That, we, we did the episode on it. It was a very popular episode. The, the West Yorkshire Mass Transit, their vision highlights the potential for attracting inward investment and growth through providing access to previously underdeveloped or less well-connected areas, recognising the importance of... So fund it! Fund the damn project! Ah! Recognising the importance of light rail now and in the future, the government has provided more than 200 million of revenue support since April 2020 to light... Oh, yeah, there's a pandemic. Don't go, ooh, look, we provided this support. Aren't we wonderful? Um... Good. I'm glad you're saying you did, but that's good. Rightly so. It's not. It's like say. It's like the. I should have the klaxon again. The QI klaxon going off. The twelve billion to move around fresh air. It's like yeah. If you didn't do that, everyone would lose their jobs, and these systems wouldn't exist now, which would be a disaster. Of course, you provided that support. Um, in 2019, the government conducted a call for evidence on how to better use and develop light rail and other rapid transit solutions in cities and towns. The department is incorporating insight and analysis from the call to, for evidence to inform future policy. Okay, that's good. I mean, I'm being mean about the funding thing. I suppose that was just an excuse to flesh it out and say, look what wonderful thing we did. But none of that broad thing is at least they're acknowledging light rail is good. Um, maximizing the benefits of sustainable low-carbon fuels. Uh-oh. Uh, let's see what this talks about. There's some nice graphics here. So this is, I think, the economic benefits that they're talking about. Um, oh, 2021 will introduce petrol with up to 10% bioethanol as standard petrol. It's just, it's just petrol. It's just the same. It's not. Hmm. Uh, renewable transport fuel obligation to increase the main. We'll amend the renewable transport fuel obligation to increase the main target in the period up to 2032. We'll develop a strategy for low-carbon fuels from now until 2050 to set a clear vision for the sector. Hmm. I'm going to skip through this bit probably because, uh, again, I'm not, I'm, I don't know enough about it to be able to t interrogate some of these incentive, these tax incentives, so the renewable transport fuels obligation, what that actually means. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't understand it well enough to interrogate it. Uh, we'll introduce petrol up to 10% bioethanol. Well, that's a big deal. Incorporation with stakeholders will review the role of... This is, as I talked about last episode, this sort of activity uh, incentivizes the state, retention of the status quo. It doesn't result in change. And modal shift is what we need, not excuses to keep things the same. Incorporation with stakeholders will review the role of fuels with higher bio content. Starting this, this is uh, dubious. Uh, commitment, we will seek to maximise the use of low-carbon fuel in aviation and maritime... I mean, okay, we need transition, fine. But the trouble with the, with, with this is that it's incentivising the retention of the status quo. So I'm going to just... Yeah, low-carbon fuels, renewable fuels, biofuels. This is all the same stuff. And it's all still burning stuff. Hydrogen... And, and talking of talking of which... Uh, here is uh, hydrogen's role in decarbonized transport system. Hmm. Uh, government will publish an overarching hydrogen strategy in summer 21. Did that appear? I don't remember that. 
It's we're we're finished in some, summer twenty one is finished, uh, and I don't remember that appearing. We'll invest three million in twenty twenty one to establish the UK's first multimodal hydrogen transport hub in Tees Valley. Three million is nothing. That's nothing. Three million quid is less than the cost of a single train. Like the, why tout? If that was billion, I'd be like, okay, that sounds like enough money to maybe make something happen. As I'm writing about, oh, Paul, Stephen, I'm, I, yes, I've got a piece on its way to you. I need to email you. Sorry, I was only just recovered kind of this, this lunchtime enough to open my laptop work laptop and start getting on with work things. Anyway, uh, hydrogen. I'm writing a piece on hydrogen. Um, people are ready to make this stuff happen. They're ready to go. Uh, they just haven't got the funding from government to make it actually start. So do that, please. Why isn't that already happening? So, uh, yeah, that doesn't sound like much at all. Uh, they're talking about Holyhead and Aberdeen and... and uh, what's this project led by this is this is this is Hollyhead Mented Morn. Uh okay yeah yeah right fine and there's Aberdeen more transport oh, future transport more choice better efficiency okay they've got drone deliveries which is funny because Amazon just sacked all their drone delivery people and showed that the whole thing's a scam uh, these look like they've got uh, jazzy stuff around it which makes me think they're referring to autonomous vehicles in what way this will ever help. Uh, with environmental friendliness i do not know it's just a fiction uh the thing you could do forget autonomous vehicles flipping well introduce geofencing everywhere and then you'll reduce carbon emissions hugely by people not being able to drive really fast particularly in urban areas but you know in extremis do it everywhere and then people will just all slow down and it'll be marvelous uh, and lots of few lot fewer people will die as a result of horrible car crashes what's this like weird reward why have they got a little badge going attached to everyone anyway i don't know weird where are the trains yeah well indeed no no this is just cars this is just for cars um i'm glad they do have a non-standard a couple of non-standard cycles that's good this stupid box thing on wheels on the pavement though that again is nonsense like it's nonsense <sighs> anyway embracing new technology share mobility uh, uh, this, uh, this is going to be an excruciating one where i'm just going to skip through because it's a load of rubbish right we will take action to increase average road vehicle occupancy by 2030. That is actually a good way, a very good way to reduce carbon emissions because two people in a car massively reduces the emissions, four people in a car, and the emissions from a car start looking similar to, to coach and to rail. That's it's all. If you have a full car, the in terms of tailpipe emissions, because our railway is so carbon intensive, it does start matching. So it doesn't take a huge amount. You know, so if you can fill cars up, that is good. Um, we'll publish guidance for local authorities on some, the reason by the way cars are so bad is because for the most part they are occupied by one point something people 1.1 during commuter times and 1.5 more broadly um, we'll publish guidance for local authorities on support for shared car ownership and shared okay fine yeah enterprise car club partnership with highlands council yeah yeah hire cars are something that i never got why they're not more of a thing but anyway um james p says lower all speed limits by 10 miles per hour no no just enforce that if enforce existing ones uh and that'll work fine um lots you know just in just geofence everywhere particularly urban areas geofence all your urban areas uh to to so that cars can't go faster and that'll be very good uh simon's f kendall how do you mandate for that sorry how do you mandate for what uh, the, i'm behind because the chat's behind that might well be referring to something else ask again but say specifically what you mean and then i'll answer um uh those boxy wheelie things for pizzas are awful for mobility impaired and blind people yeah, absolutely yeah they don't know what they're doing yeah absolutely they're just stupid pavements are for people walking and wheeling 
Uh, and I don't mean bicycling, I mean people in wheelchairs and with buggies. We'll consult on a mobility as a service code of practice. That's such an insignificant and unimportant thing. It should not be a commitment. Uh, mobility as a service is just a word. I, I hate mass. As a, like, I just shut up about it. It's just describing integrated transport. It's just describing integrating across transport modes. Stop giving it a gimmick name. It makes it sound like something's been invented newly. It hasn't. Integrated ticketing is, you know, bus plus is mass. But it isn't because mass is bollocks. It's just integrated transport. Stop using gimmick words, everyone. Uh, we'll, we'll use national e-scooter trials to understand their environment, impact, safety, and mode shift potential to evaluate whether they should be legalized. Yeah, that's that's good. Yep, good. Fine. Uh, commitment. We will reduce the barriers to data sharing across the transport sector. Fantastic. Really important. That is a really, really critically important one. Uh, oh, look here are all the e-scooter trials. Uh, where's York? York. Hooray. A thousand of them. Uh, it's not a very big trial, apparently. It's, I mean, it's a bigger dot than some of the other places, but uh, the big ones are in London in... Is that Brizzle? Yeah, I suppose it would be, yeah. Uh, the Solent, there's uh, a big one. And uh, some other big places. York's isn't particularly large, but uh, I'm enjoying using the e-scooters thing. I'm looking forward to... I've asked them for some data, but I think they're being a bit coy about it so they can um, uh, so they can publish the data via the DFT. Maybe DFT's told them not to share the data, in fact. Uh, we Commitment. We have launched a new annual statistics release, a statistical release and guidance about transport's impact to the environment and support is used by third parties. Oh. Uh, DFT people, hello DFT people. If you're listening, uh, you know who you are. You emailed me earlier. Um, I'd love to have a look at, at that, and I'm happy for you to come on to Railnet and talk about that. That'll be interesting uh, to talk about that data release. That'd be really good. Uh, commitment. Um, oh, yeah, Transport West Midlands has been boxed. Got a nice box out about passenger information. Yeah, I'd say TFWM are like an example of best practice on lots of fronts. Uh, I'm really annoyed at the idea that they're going to have their um, their branding taken away from national rail stations. I think it's actually really important that the big urban areas have their own unique brand independent of mode. So I don't think the station should be railway station. You know, they shouldn't have the, or the branding should be hybridized at those stations. So they are both, you know, West Midlands rail and, uh, you know, GBR. Um, yeah, you need a driver's license to drive the scooters around. Yeah. Um, uh, because that's the legal framework within which they sit at the moment. Uh, yes, I agree that that is probably a bit silly and daft, and, and e-scooters should be available for. But it's one way of managing the the, the challenges at the moment. Uh, you know, the, the law will be updated. The law is just hopelessly behind when it comes to things like e-scooters. They're just absolutely behind. Um, yeah, you can ride. You don't need a, a a driver's license to to ride an e-bike. So why would you need one for an e-scooter? Absolutely, uh, you shouldn't. You don't need one. We'll explore introduction new sustainable travel and reward scheme supported by business community organization charity. That looks nice, but it doesn't whatever. Uh, commitment. We'll encourage and support UK businesses to lead the way. We'll encourage and support UK businesses to lead the way in taking action to reduce emissions from their employees' travel journeys to commute zero. Again, it has the potential to save half a million tons of CO2 a year. I mean that's not to be sniffed at, but equally you know, mode shift is, is a bigger deal. We'll support transport providers to develop communications campaigns that encourage mode switch and sustainable transport behaviors. Okay, good. But again, this is all, I mean, I suppose this is the back end section, right? So it is all the small stuff. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, is this news? Uh, Dave is pointing out news about Cardiff Council approving uh, their Crossrail. Okay. Um, behavior change research. Yeah, okay. So this is saying we need there needs to be behavioural change, and yet this is kind of dumped in at the end, and they've not really talked about it. They're kind of downplaying this to, to substantially. Um, 
Yeah, so... Okay, I, I'm not going to read this box out. It's just sort of stuff we all know. A gradual... Uh, this is... At, what did our deliberative research find? Try before you buy schemes are good. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Linking environmental impact and travel choices more explicitly, fine. To provide opportunity, a gradual transition to more sustainable modes over a number of years was felt by participants to be more realistic. That would be fine if we'd started this 20 years ago. Addressing negative perceptions of cycling and cyclists. Uh, okay. Increasing the visibility of electric vehicle infrastructure. Yeah, agree with that. I mean, make it so you can just use it like normal petrol stations, right? Address the safety concerns for cycling. Yeah, well, segregated infrastructure required. Which they do say, to be fair. Focus on leisure journeys as a first step. Okay, highlight the social and community dis uh, benefits. The company decarbonizes. Okay, yeah, well, that's I agree with all that stuff. Youth panel. A broad sample of 11 to 18-year-olds were engaged with to understand their travel experiences. Actually, The research found that the environment was more top of the mind in this age group compared to older age groups and they were surprised to learn how much transport contributed to carbon emissions yeah well that i can believe that because there are a lot of young folks who shout at me about uh who are coming through xr um who just aren't aware of the impact of transport they're just not aware of those of, of some of those um you know the scale of the fact that transport is the most the, the biggest impact on, on, on britain's carbon emissions so yeah i can understand that um yeah, when thinking about future transport, young people became excited about new technologies and the possibilities these would bring. Oh, nice spin. Yeah. Uh, hmm. Commitment. We will identify specific opportunities of decarbonisation through innovation in rural areas in the upcoming future of transport rural strategy. Why is that not part of this? More more talk, uh, less action is the, is you could put a lot as a line under this uh, document. Oh. Uh, Tim Ballam, anyone else had a look on Google Maps satellite view of Lindston Barnstable recently? That's an interesting segue that I'm going to do immediately after this episode, but uh, yeah, it's a segue, right. Uh, it doesn't stop you having to talk about it, the train hopper, don't worry. Oh no, that was Tim Ballam, sorry. Uh, improve the perceptions of cyclists. Everyone's uh, everyone's getting angry at the improve the perceptions of cyclists thing. Yeah, me too. Um, cyclists are squishy, and so they often do have to, have to behave defensively because they're used to getting squished. Um... For the UK to become world leader in shaping the future of transport, it's imperative the UK... Uh, da, 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 right. Commitment. This is... Okay, so what's interesting is this is right at the back of the report, page nearly page 200. We will help build a skilled workforce for the future of transport. That kind of needs to be right at the opening part because none of this happens with the current size of the workforce, particularly in terms of engineering and, and, and de deployment skills. Um, critical. Green Jobs Task Force. Okay... That's it. Uh, now we've got a section on uh, supporting UK research and development as a decarbonisation enabler. This is less important. I'm going to skip ha happily through this. Um, lol, the uh, the Transport Research and Innovation Board, TRIB, uh, we will coordinate transport's investment in R&D, collaborating with key stakeholders through our TRIB. Okay. Just going to leave that hanging there for everyone. Uh, we will update our areas of research interests uh, and publish our new DFT science plan by summer 2021. That's related to um, uh, presumably tax incentives for certain types of, of research and also funding uh, funding kind of streams for, for different types of, of research. Here's some um, here's a graphic with technology requirements. So for rail, they've got this. Here's an interesting thing. I'm glad I paused on this. Route electrification is the proven path to decarbonisation. Necessary role for batteries and hydrogen network fringes where economics require. Yeah, good. I'm glad they've written that. But they've put a big blue splodge saying that the critical dependencies are on, on those alternative technologies. Battery, 
and and hydrogen. Yeah, I'm glad they've been honest about the um, the challenges. Isn't it solution certainty? They've got a big round donut. Infrastructure maturity, half a donut. Fleet penetration, half a donut. Hmm. Um, ah, right. Okay, so this is referred. So this is along here. 2021 state of technology readiness and deployment. So you can see for like domestic aviation, they're saying extensive R&D required, tech options identified. It's mostly extensive R&D required. Likewise for shipping, uh, for international shipping. International aviation is like even worse. It's like no identified zero emissions technology for long haul flights yet. Yeah, which is true. Transport might be, might be the one. Um, coaches are shown to be in uh, demonstration scale required to test options. So interestingly, rail is by far the furthest along on this one. They've got cars as being pretty far along, but that, which is kind of to an extent true, I suppose. HGVs they're showing down as like ident tech options identified, but but at scale demonstration required. So rail is by far the furthest along on this, which is interesting. This is quite a useful graphic. This actually is one to pull out. I think. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's a good one. Um, yeah. Uh, Right, so there's some interesting things going on in terms of uh, chatting about cyclists in the chat. Uh, always an interesting subject, isn't it? Unlocking green finance. Uh, you don't need to unlock green finance, government. You just need to spend that money. <laughs> just spend that money now. Oh, that's it. That's it. We're there. We're at the end. Oh, oh my goodness. An hour 13. Uh, the rest is... Okay, uh, if you don't like flashing lights... Um, uh, if you don't like flashing lights, then uh, close your eyes now. I'm just going to check what we've got. References. And that's it. That's the end. A, a blue page to end on. A blue page. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, all I can say is really like a reminder of this this thing, right? Which is, um, this is, this is the 12 billion. If you remember this section, I put this up last time. This is an extra 12 billion um extra why am i doing this with my mouse when i have a whack-em you might you might ask me it's because i put the whack-em away uh, an extra 12 billion is required uh that's a lot of pennies 12 billion by government um 12 billion sorry i'm just pausing on that 12 billion per year required additional investment in transport in this country yeah the existing funding is around 3 billion uh, government is going to spend a little more, which will bring it up to four billion. But the amount that we're currently spending is four billion. We need that to increase by. Um, it needs that's like a fifth of the total amount we need to invest in. So that's whatever. Fi that's like five hundred percent increase. Is my math right on that one? Uh, major. Uh, Owen O'Neill says the biggest change from the draft um, uh, is from the draft to this is. We all need to change behavior. Final says you can keep driving. Other people, especially in urban areas, should get on the bus if they can. Ah, that's interesting. So you can continue to drive from countryside to city center. Yeah, that's interesting. There was quite a lot of wording of people. Can we don't need to change behaviors. People should also get the bus a bit more. Yeah, I agreed. I think this is a letdown. That's my. Oh, let's go big face. Actually, you know, let's, let's let's go big face to review this. Um, yeah, let's let's while we've got that logo up, let me go large face. So um, yeah, send your thoughts uh, for the next five ten minutes or so we'll we'll you know we'll, we'll close this one off i haven't I haven't collapsed yet um i'm gonna have a big sip of tea what are your thoughts everyone we've gone through that is there anything you know you wished i'd focus on a bit more hopefully that's been useful i've got a is that a gray or a, a bleached hair in my mustache that's kind of showing up weirdly on the 
the target. Climate targets by 2050 should have been 2030, says Eurostar Lover 009. Um, uh, oh, yeah, Simon, your point that you said, and I never answered your question. I'm going back up to Simon's question. Whoop, up we go, up we go. Where is, where is he? Um, uh, oh, Simon's saying if it works in London, double signage branding, then it can work anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. Oh, uh, how do you mandate for higher car occupancy? Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, you introduce more multiple occupancy, multiple vehicle occupancy lanes, for example, might be one way to do it. Um, Ella's thoughts are that the surprisingly little FM gadget ban type stuff. Yeah, that's that is. <sighs> There is quite a bit of FM in there, but not as much as I perhaps expected. Uh, Simon's saying, is there a risk uh, that this is a lot of waffle and not much actual detail and strategy? Yeah, absolutely. Cam Wright is going, how do we get government to spend money? Um, well, indeed. Uh, James Peter is saying, geofencing doesn't work when most cars don't know where they are in the first place. Um, geofencing can work for a lot of cars currently on the roads. And given that EVs are you know, more car, there's, there's, the, the car industry is desperate for, you know, there's been a big change in, in cars, a big refreshing of cars in recent years. So um, lots of cars that have, uh, yeah, I, I think that in a lot of cases, the cars can have that done, but it should be for new cars. So yeah, even if the, even if it's not the case that cars, uh, you know, a sizable chunk of current cars can do it. I think it should be mandatory for all new cars. They have geofencing, and then that geofencing should be open data. It should be accessible. It should be able to be updated by local authorities. Uh, Matteo says um, that he's just glad I made it. Oh, that they're glad I made it through. Thanks, Matteo. Um, uh, uh, Gareth Williams is asking what geofencing is. Geofencing is where you have a an area bounded within a GPS within GPS coordinates that are that a rule is applied to vehicles, whether that rule is slow down or put your lights on. Um, yeah, uh, Rishi Sunak is a major danger. Don't anyone on here think that he's somehow better than uh, than anyone else in the Conservative Party in terms of, of willingness to spend, to, to like, you know, in terms of being good, just because he has a shiny suit. He is, uh, he is as bad as the lot of them in terms of... Uh, neoliberal potentially worse in fact in terms of viewing what the treasury's role is in terms of not spending any money um so ah interesting uh ella the developer i'll repeat what i said earlier about hire cars just in case you missed ping simon little red dragon on the discord and ask him about how he uses hire cars as a good model um hire car this is a thing that's it's a bit of a funny one once you've got a car you kind of don't step back from it we've got the smart car for example but I did the maths on this, and it's cheaper, by far cheaper, to hire every weekend in a year uh, than it is to have a car. Now, you can hire a car every weekend of the year, and it's still cheaper than actually owning that car. It's just the fact that they're, that they're not necessarily that accessible, not necessarily that reliable, um, in terms of being able to get them, and even less so now with the, with the, the, the virus, it's, it's even more of an issue. But, um, yeah... HST trains, do you think it's hypocrisy that we're being encouraged to be more environmentally friendly when politicians fly to climate summits? Uh, yes and no. Politicians have to fly places because otherwise they'd never get anything done. But also, um, when the journey is quicker and better by rail to anywhere in Europe, or certainly Western Europe, you know, Brussels, etc., uh, France, Germany, you can get there by train quicker. Yeah, that is stupid. Um, uh, so, uh, where are we at? Um... Oh, I've missed Josephine. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, sorry. Josephine is saying you also don't have the capital tied up if you're hiring this way. Yeah, you've you've you know you've not uh, you've not kind of tied your car up, tied the money up in a car. But uh, yes, Tim Balance says only if you buy new cars. Uh, yeah, no, I, um, I, no. Uh, the cost of maintenance and insurance for for like older cars is is, is pretty steep. For uh, you know, if you've got a, unless you've got like a reliable like Nissan Micra that just is is somehow indestructible, it can happen. Um, you'd be spending a lot on maintenance of a second-hand car, um, which you know by the time that you know if you're spending if you're spending on average you know four or five hundred quid a year uh, on 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 your car, and then you know tires, maintenance, that's that thing, plus the insurance of you know several hundred quid, you know that starts adding up. Uh, yeah, scaling that would be interesting. A substantial number of car owners sold their cars and tried to rent higher at weekends. Prices would rise. Yeah, absolutely. So you'd have to. That would have to mean that government would have to step in and be involved in that process. Uh, so yeah, like a, a a state hire company would be quite useful. Uh, we've never had one of those, I don't think. Problem with buying used is that older cars suck for maintenance, uh, low emission zones, etc. Yeah, it's very true. Richard Smith, uh, government has never really cared to put weight on improving links through the Channel Tunnel to Europe, and until that changes, it'll never fulfil its potential. Well, yeah, quite. Um. Thoughts on rideshare schemes post-pandemic? Yeah, they're a good idea, and we should be encouraging them. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, can confirm the girlfriend's like zero th 2003 Micra hasn't died yet, and we've smashed that thing right around the M25 like four times already. Yeah, uh, the train hopper. Uh, what would get me out? Of, uh, he's saying what would get them out of a car is having the buses running on a consistent schedule more than every other hour. Yeah. Um, to be certainly in urban and suburban areas, buses need to be at least for an hour to to actually get to to be for you to be like, oh yeah, I can just turn up and get on a bus because it means you're never waiting too long. Ideally, five or six an hour is, is is even better, but three or fewer an hour is no good. An hour, hopeless. More than an hour, might as well not be running. Like at this point, you're you're talking about kind of deep rural services. The only places in Britain that should have a the only places in Britain that have a population of a thousand or more, um, that ha basically nowhere in Britain should have a, a less than hourly bus service if it has a population of a thousand or more. Like this is the basic Swiss model of every population centre gets a level of service commensurate to the density of population, um, and that can be played with based on you know spatial planning intentions, um, but that you know tact plan that has to be the you. Know, Look up the Swiss transport model. That should be the way that we do things. Um, buses need to also have shelters, not just a stick with a bus symbol on it. Never get people to convert to public transport when there's still urban railway lines in Manchester with no Sunday service. Um, Matt Reed do I think asks whether I think this report will make any difference. It has some things that we can hold government to account over. So yes, I do think it will make a difference. Things in it that are commitments that we can hold government to account over. Um yeah, so I do think it'll make a difference. I don't think it's all doom and gloom. Simon Wadsworth, the de de depreciation on a new car is enough to pay for maintenance on an old car. One of ours isn't nearly 200,000 miles, but I will buy a hybrid next time and use it in electric. Yeah, we're at the point of, like, with a smart car, we're looking at electric, and, and we keep swinging from, like, no, we're not going to get an electric car yet, to yes, we are going to get an electric car, to back to no again, and it's it's tricky, because the challenge is looking at where the way we use the car is kind of how a lot of people use the car, which is we use it, to do a big shop once every month if we um, we've been doing a lot more delivery but we might do a big shop once every month we don't have a cargo bike because it's too expensive frankly we would use a cargo bike otherwise um we do holidays up to scotland 
uh, like hike holidays where you've got all your kit in the boot and two of us in the car it's much more effective to do that you know I can, because then i can we can get into the hills um things like that you know uh, we'll go down to see my grandparents in the car because it means that we can go do devon things where there isn't public transport in the car those are the sorts of things so you know we're using for those sorts of trips the challenge with that is that there are no charging or wales going to see family in wales um there are no we have done the train but it's just to, to Aberystwyth, but it's uh, with two of us in the car again. It's the balance of cost and it's longer, you know. But those aren't the, those sorts of journeys are not the ones to. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not someone who says everyone should drop their should not the thing the car journeys that needs sorting out are the commuting car journeys. Those are the ones that are the carbon emission issue. So it, you so they're talking about we should tackle leisure first. I fundamentally disagree. There are a lot of people who do who have driving as part of their daily routine. People who are driving as part of their daily routine, those are the people that need to be provided better opportunities because those are also the people who are having the most personal impact from driving, stress and, and so on. So, no, the casual car user isn't the problem. Uh, we also need to ban all new wood burners. Yes, Tim Ballon, you're right. Um, they should uh, let people in cities opt out of street parking. Uh, HST trains, do you think there should be more cross-channel uh, operators? Um, no, I just think we should be incentivizing that, that usage more. Uh, the Eurostar, a lot of people I care a lot about in Eurostar, but Eurostar is not a well-run uh, outfit, frankly. Uh, the service could be a lot better, um, and part of that is because the uh, the HS1 charges, you know, network rail high speed charge way too high ac track access charges for HS1. Um, the train, da, 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 right? Okay, so that that's that's all the question. Let's go back to small face and talk about things. So, um. The issue we have is that uh, the DFT is, I mean, okay, there are problems at the DFT, but actually the, the DFT is entirely subservient to, uh, I'll do that. The, the DFT is entirely subservient to uh, HM Treasury. And until Treasury is either uh, atomized, uh, hashtag abolish the Treasury, or is um, uh, fundamentally and radically altered, like a seismic shift in the attitudes of that organization, um, then uh, we're going to be stuck where we are. We cannot, while the treasury exists in its current form, we cannot fix transport in this country. We cannot decarbonize transport in this country. It is not possible. So uh, my view is that we need to entirely atomize the treasury. But short of atomizing the treasury, we need a fundamental alteration in the in the in the attitudes, the the the, the deep set rot in that organization as to what it does in terms of investment. Well, it doesn't invest. That's the point. So, there we go. Um, da, 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 let's see. So uh, that's basically my point: is that this, this, the politics, this, this whole shit. Uh, why, why I've put this, um, this, this, this here. The, the reason I've, I've slammed this here is, is that the, the politics is, is key. The, the fact that we've crippled local authorities is a major part of the problem. You know, uh, fifty percent budget cuts for some local authorities. There's just, we, ooh. Sorry, the wasabi thing just happened, and I'm wondering if it's because I'm getting my sense of smell back, because it'd be very nice. I'm also very hungry, which is nice. That's good. I've not had much of an appetite until now. Anyway, uh, yes, this lot. So, fundamentally, abolish the Treasury. Without doing that, we're not going to solve the problems. Uh, and also, hashtag electrify all the things. Yeah, we went through that last time. Um, well, that's it. That's, 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 yeah, that, well, it's time to wrap up, isn't it? So, um, we're back on, on, on podcasting. Podcasting is happening. In fact, I can see it. I've got Spotify open now. You can see if I drag this over, uh, is this going to work? It's going to like not work. Is this going to sh show you all my... Uh... There, look, show you this. Look, there it is. Yeah, it's on Spotify. 
you can see all the episodes are there. Hooray! So you can go in and and this is, this is I listen to. In fact, some of my you can listen to the an engineer plays podcast uh, playlist, which is um, f- available for everyone to listen to. By the way, I'm sure you'll need that. Anyway, there. Look, Rail Natter is on Spotify. Also, other uh, other podcasting platforms are available, uh, but maybe aren't as 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 good. So yeah, the podcast is working. Ella, thanks so much. Heel, thank you so much. Uh, but Ella's putting some serious work on that. So so many thanks to Ella. Lots of people have gone, oh, they finished, let's, uh, let's finish this off. So, what other things to plug? Patreon um, supports me to do more of this. Uh, there's a new Patreon-only video has just gone up, by the way, as well. So, uh, get, get on the Discord to find the link to that. Also, patreon.com slash Dennis, where you can find the link to that little Patreon sneaky video where I have a fever sweat uh, on camera for you all. Um, uh, the Discord is garethdennis.co.uk slash Discord. And also the PayPal uh, is great for little loose change things. If you're, if you're like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to subscribe, but I enjoyed the episode. Um, have 30p. Because, uh, you know, that's nice. That, that's that's a nice thing to do. You can leave a little message. Uh, Patreon people, uh, let me know. Actually, this is a big call out to the Patreon people. If I'm going to go big, briefly big face for it. Patreon people. Hello, Patreon people. Are you getting enough? Are there things you think I could do more for you, Patreon people? Let me know. Uh, there we are. Brief, uh, brief interlude there. Um, uh, what else? Right, finally the plug. Mr. Tim Dunn was... The, the Tim... Tim Dunn was on watching this episode earlier. It's a great privilege. Uh, I mean, he's he's a, a lovely, lovely man. A, a great privilege to call him my friend. Um, uh, and uh, that was nice of him to join us. But anyway, I'm plugging a thing uh, of Tim, which is always weird because Tim has a far greater audience than I, I do. But um, some of you... Don't necessarily watch Tim stuff. I hope you've all been watching the uh, uh, Secrets of London Underground. It's very enjoyable. Uh, Jarley, patron and uh, friend th- friend of the show, she was uh, she was on uh, Monday night's episode, which I've not watched yet because I was absolutely ruined uh, with the the Rona. But I shall be catching up and I shall enjoy it very greatly. I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, the reason I'm yammering on is because on the 14th of August, which is uh, when is that? It's in four days. It's this Saturday. Um, Tim is going to be reading a History of Sodor lecture and it's going to be brilliant. I don't know how much I can reveal, actually. Um, I don't know how much I can reveal, but it is... It's There are going to be images. Uh, Tim has put a lot of work into this. It's going to be very entertaining. Tim is a very entertaining... If you've not seen Tim doing public speaking, he's really very good at it. It's very funny and um, everyone giggles and everyone is almost immediately disarmed and it's great fun. Um, so strong, vigorous recommendation that you, uh, that you, uh, sign up for that because it's going to be live streaming. Uh, it'd be live streamed at 7 PM. Um, and, uh, you can sign up for it on this link, which is basically that if you go to Tim's Twitter feed, you can get the link. In fact, you know what I can do? I can get the link right now, uh, because I have it in here because I, uh, where is it? There we are. Just go in here to get the link. Uh, very organized. There we go. That's what I wanted. Uh, c- copy that. Copy that. And paste it in here. Here's the link, everyone. Th- that'll hopefully work. Yeah, that should work. If I click that now just to check. Yes, it is working. Marvelous. Click that link, everyone, and you can go and get tickets to watch it. It should be tremendous fun. Um, provide the support to the Talachin, uh, which is a wonderful railway that I absolutely adore. Uh, I will do a rail natter from there at some point uh, because they're 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 wonderful. They're a wonderful team up there. Really great. Um, they do loads of great stuff. They're really nice. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. Anyway, right. So uh, enough waffling. Enough effervescing. Um, go sign up to watch that. It'll be brilliant. So, um, what else? 
Oh yeah, that's right. I did, yeah, I did drop in the picture of uh, the, the, a bit of a hint of, of things to come. There'll be pictures, but uh, they might not be animated pictures that you might expect. Ooh. Anyway, right, that's enough of that because I'll get told off for hinting and teasing. Right. So, ah, right. Yeah, the, the bumper bonus uh, tease of of what is coming up because this is the last live episode for a few weeks because I'm theoretically and hopefully going to be away on on Holy Bob for a bit, and we'll see how that goes. Right. Um. Uh. So. Episode 75, the next episode, is going to be... I've re- I have done this pre-recording. It was absolutely brilliant fun. Um, Bessie Matthews joined us. Uh, Bessie's Ballast, uh, raising money for Samaritans. Um, Bessie uh, chatted with us for a nice hour about her uh, artwork. Absolutely brilliant. It's so good. Um, I loved this episode. It was so nice to just go through this. So it's a permanent record. Uh, Bessie has raised a huge amount of money for Samaritans, so it's a really worthwhile episode. Strong, in fact, vigorous recommendation that people tune in and, and watch that. Be really nice. These will be going out kind of pseudo live, like they always do for the pre-records. Um, episode seventy-six. This I do need to edit together, which is mildly scary because I did a lot of filming. Should be fun though. Um, episode seventy-six, the HS Two South Portal, the first of a few episodes from the South Portal. I think I shall be going back. Uh, HS Two will be taking me back to to show other things because multiple massive things are happening from this very small spot. Uh, but this one, episode seventy-six, will be about building Britain's longest railway tunnel. There shall be much interesting filming going on, and uh, yeah, look forward to that. Episode seventy-seven shall be this is a bit touch and go depending on whether i can get to the museum and be safe you know be post covid enough that i'm uh, not providing a risk to anyone which should happen potentially anyway um we'll see and it's going to be me episode 77 can i natter for an hour in the railway museum north shed the answer is probably yes uh, but we'll see right i'm going to see if i can do a timer in the corner and do it as a one shot see if my phone can survive doing a one shot wonder it used to survive doing when i did like a, a half hour 45 minute job on uh on on like um, periscope so it should survive filming it all in one go but anyway we'll see how that goes and there's an extract from the when when the, the famous episode of me and david and tim when we went around and got very excitable um in the north shed um on periscope that was good fun anyway so that's episode 77 and then when i'll be back for a live episode i will be back for a live episode um for episode 78 where we're we going to i'm going to do a i'm going to do a bit of a poll at some point uh, towards the end of this week um it, it's not going to be a live episode that one it's going to be a pre-record because i but it'll be a pre-record of me running around for an hour uh, for the previous one the rail museum one no episode 78 we're going to do a page turn through the first beaching report because i'll bet so many people who cite beaching and go ooh beaching have never even opened the report let alone read it so we're going to do a page turn through through the first beaching report which should be quite interesting yeah, so uh, you've got all that to look forward to, a feast, a veritable smorgasbord of stuff that we're going to be going through. Um, so, uh, oh, people seem to saying they enjoyed the last sort of um, out and about on location uh, rail natter. I had a lot of fun on it, but uh, yeah. Is it longer than the channel? No, it's not longer than the channel. It's the whole one, it's the longest one within the within the, the confines of the UK, yeah. So, um, last bit of tea it's no longer tea earl grey hot it's no longer it's now tea earl grey cold but uh, that's fine um i'm now going to uh oh you're getting a transport fever 2 stream this week asks uh gregor yeah yeah you will be i just gen- I, I generally don't advertise them on here but uh it does uh, generally on fridays at 5 30 is, is when that happens yeah right everyone 
thanks so much. I have got a bit hotter and sweatier, but I don't think it's... I'm hoping it's not fever coming back, because I'd be really annoying if it is. My head's not too bad. I've drunk... I've drunk enough of this fluid to kind of possibly keep me keep me alive. Ella, no, the museum won't be live. The it the it requires too much tech for me to do on location live episodes at the moment. Uh, I can't do it with the the you know the intro thing and everything happening. So I'll do it as a pre-record. Anyway, the point is that it's a pre-record because I'm still away at that point. I've got three successive rail matters I'm missing, but it'll be it'll be live-ish. I hope to do live episodes out and about at some point, but it requires it'll require production team of one at least i think to make it work um so at some point we'll work that out we'll have patreon chat about that at some point we'll work that out anyway i've been waffling for quite long enough it's 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 gone on from being kind of short to kind of long um everyone i'm i'm still here i'm still intact hopefully uh everything shall be as planned for the next month in any case take good care of yourselves um and get vaccinated <laughs> cheerio cheerio